When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, she's got so much potential to just do so much good. Um, right now, she doesn't strike me as somebody who would do anything to harm people, but I just want to make sure that that continues to be the case as she gets more and more cunning and, you know, hones her <laughs> skills. Welcome to How To. I'm Amanda Ripley. You know the old saying, don't get caught with your hand in the cookie jar? Well, today we're talking about a kid who is way too crafty to get caught. This kid is so good that you'll never even know the cookie jar was compromised. That is, until you find cookie crumbs in her room, chocolate chips under the pillow, and finally, of course, a totally empty cookie jar. I'm Jamie. Uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, full-time consultant working at home and mother of two lovely children. Jamie's oldest son, Kai, is nine and just an innocent bystander. The prime suspect in this case is her daughter, Simone. So Simone is eight. The best way to describe her would just be brilliant. (laughs) Gifted learner, sponge absorber. But sometimes Jamie worries that Simone is almost too smart for her own good. So I have been um, noticing some things with my daughter, behaviors that I, I'm, I'm struggling to understand. I guess sneaky is the best word to, to, to describe it. Unnecessary sneakiness. What is like the sneakiest thing your daughter has done that she knows she shouldn't have? What's an example of that? Um, sneakiest. Oh, <laughs> Um, one example is she'll sneak a, a lot of snacks. Like I'll have a big box of something from the wholesale store and she'll make a little little slit in it, get her little fingers in there, pull something out and then do it so many times that by the time I open the box, it, there's like two things left. And it's like, that's not something I wasn't, I'm not going to notice that the big box of 40 cracker you know, packages only have two now. So things like that. Okay, now I know what you're thinking. So what? What's the harm in sneaking a few packages? Okay, 40 packages of crackers. It's the part that she is not responsive to anything that I try to do to correct her behavior that is worrying. Jamie's tried setting strict boundaries. She's tried yelling, that old parenting standby. But Simone never cracks under the pressure. It's like, okay, she's either going to use this sneakiness to just explore beyond what I would comfortably let her do and it'll be she'll be the better for it or she will use it and become a supervillain. Supervillain is a strong word but where others see a charming eight-year-old girl 
Jamie sometimes sees something more nefarious. She will find a reason to compliment somebody. And it's like, I, I used to think it was like, she's so, you know, she's so kind and she's so thoughtful. But now I think <laughs> she, she was so manipulative <laughs> at an early age. You know what, Jamie? Mm -hmm. I, I think she might have a career in espionage. <laughs> <laughs> On today's show, we're talking about deception in kids. Is it ever okay? Our first mission is to investigate Simone's motives, and then we'll help her mom recruit her daughter over to her side. The brains behind this operation are Christina and Ryan Hillsberg, the authors of Licensed to Parent, and former spies with the actual CIA. Really? Stay with us. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. I don't know about you, but when I think of a spy, I think of a suave secret agent, hidden listening devices, high-speed car chases. Why is he still alive? Our attempts failed. We're not going to fail again. But in real life, drama is the last thing an undercover agent wants. James Bond is the worst spy in the history of... That guy can't go anywhere without shooting up a city or chasing someone or someone chasing him, especially within espionage. You know, if you have to pull a gun or if someone's shooting at you or if you're chasing someone um, or if someone's chasing you, you have done something wrong. Both Christina and Ryan spent years at the CIA in different capacities. Christina spent the bulk of her career as an intelligence analyst. I was writing and briefing U.S. president, the cabinet, other senior policymakers. Then later in my career, I switched over to the clandestine side of the house, the directorate of operations, which is where I met Ryan. Ryan was spending most of his time overseas targeting and recruiting assets. The very best spies. You'll never know who they are, you know, mm -hmm. while they're still in the agency. 
When they weren't stealing secrets, Christina and Ryan were starting a family, and their CIA experiences shaped how they parent and taught them to see childhood as a kind of extended training regimen, a way for kids to learn by failing. You know, training down at the farm at CIA's covert training facility, you know, it's very, very intense. It's stressful. And, and some of the mistakes I made at the farm, you know, they're so ingrained on my brain and my psyche, I would hmm. never ever make them again. And so I'm, I'm a big yeah. proponent of, of learning through mistakes mm -hmm. and learning through failure. They have a lot of kids, so they've gotten to witness a lot of mistakes. Ryan had three kids already when Christina met him over a decade ago. Now those kids are teenagers, whom they refer to as the bigs. And they've also added two littles, Ari and Gigi, who are three and four years old. With all their kids, they've tried to consistently reward honesty and loyalty just like they did with informants in the field. Instead of focusing on, you know, you lied or why did you do this, instead of getting at the why, just focusing on, even when we already know that they've done something, looking at them and saying, you know, tell me the truth. And if you tell me the truth, you're not gonna get in trouble. Of course, this develops more, you know, comes with more nuance as they get older because they, yeah. you know, they can understand when they're, you know, teenagers that, you know, there will still be consequences, but they won't be as harsh as they would have mm -hmm. been if they would have lied. But when they're younger, we actually make it a little bit easier for them. And sometimes there are no consequences at all because we really want to make a big to-do about the fact that they told the truth. It's interesting. With little kids, a surprising number of lies seem to involve snacks. You know, one of the examples in our home, we called it like the, the great donut incident. Everyone knew that when we went to Krispy Kreme, there would be one chocolate cake donut in the box and the rest would be original glaze. The one chocolate cake is mine. Like we had asked, you know, who ate the donut? And it became this long drawn out thing where no one wanted to tell the truth. Okay, so it's the two of you sort of using all your CIA training and interrogating them. <laughs> and how long did it take to break them? What happened? Well, it's funny because Ryan can always tell just by the look of their face who's guilty. I mean, you don't have to be a, a former spy to, to be able to tell the, the cues on your own kids' faces, right? So I think we knew right away, but it drew out for probably like a whole afternoon of, of people really trying to keep lips sealed. Mm -hmm. Long story short, our youngest, who's who's now 15 of, of the big, she actually was a part of it and she let her brother take the fall for her, even though she had kind of gotten in on it too. Oh. But instead of, and we sat down and said, guys, it's not about the donut. It's about the fact that you didn't tell the truth. Well, and it, it was funny too, because I can tell pretty quickly whether <laughs> yeah. someone's being honest or not. And, and, and that's what it was with Lena. I could tell that there was something there. And so I, I sort of singled her out and then she eventually admitted to it. We laugh about it now because it's just a donut, right? <laughs> this really doesn't matter. What does matter is the repeated deception, followed by elaborate cover-ups, all of which erode trust. But is sneaky behavior always a bad thing? As I heard Jamie talk about Simone, I, f I feel like there's a lot of, of her personality and persona that is very similar to mine. I remember growing up as a kid, you know, and I was always testing the limits. And was I sneaky? Hell yeah, I was sneaky. Well, I, was a, I was a sneaky, I was a sneaky early. little boy. So anytime that, you know, we got candy either from Easter or Halloween um, or whatever, I would save my candy. I wouldn't eat it. And I'd keep it in this secret part of my drawer in my bedroom. 
And anytime I had to do the kitchen, vacuum the house, I'd invite my sisters into my room and I'd open up my drawer and I'd, and I'd tell them, hey, if you do the kitchen for me tonight, you can have any of these candies that you'd like. <laughs> and so this went on, I, I, I think for a couple years where, you know, I had a little ring going on in my bedroom <laughs> where, you know, my, my sisters were doing all my chores, you know, and I was dishing them candy. Eventually my parents found out I got in big trouble. Yeah, I see a lot of similarities between her and myself and also our youngest, uh, Gigi. And I think a lot of those personality traits can be turned, you know, for good. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because Ryan, like you, like I see so much of my my childhood self in her, the mess, the curiosity, the like, let's break things open and see how it works. So it's like part of me excuses some of it. And my only solace is... I read something about spirited children and how mm -hmm. they often get in trouble, et cetera, et cetera. But that as adults, these are the children that you want because they grow up to be the leaders. And it's the children that are well-behaved and acquiesce are the ones who are end up being the followers. And so it's like, if you're going to have the capability to do super villainy stuff, you choose not to because you got mom's voice in your head. I think it's it's so common, I think, for parents and especially us moms to like feel like if something's wrong, it's because we haven't done something or we've missed something, right? Like they're the supervillain later in life, right? Like it can be so yeah. easy for us moms to take that on. But when you're describing your kids, I think of like how much a rule follower our son is, who's almost five, and things mm -hmm. that worked with him. And like I'm in a similar boat with our three-year-old because the same things just don't work with her. And so it's <laughs> yeah. like meeting her where she is and kind of appreciating, like you said, that spirited child, but then also looking for ways to kind of harness that creativity. And so, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I've had to learn to do is like, let it go. Sorry if you're a parent who still has the song, let it go ringing in your ears, but here's our first rule. And you knew this was coming. Pick your battles which is honestly something Ryan would try to tell me for years when we were first <laughs> together because I was coming in as a stepmom to three kids without having not had kids of my own. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time just telling him like, they're not respecting me. And the like- principle. Yes, it's the principle. <laughs> like it's not the donut, you know? Right, right. And, but I have had to learn kind of over the years which things are worth the battle. And especially, and, and I wonder if Simone is like this too, like I've noticed that Gigi, it's almost like she likes getting a rise out of me for some mm. things that she does. You know, she sees that as attention, even if it's negative attention. You know, I do work a lot and it's crossed my mind. You know, maybe if I give her more attention, more direct one-on-one -on -one attention or just dote on her, like that would help. Yeah, and yeah. one of the things we try to do, and and it's really hard, we each try to have our own separate one-on-one -on -one time with the kids mm -hmm. because it makes such a huge difference. And so we try to find connections. And one of these concepts we talk about in our book that's really important in our home is this idea of you, me, same, same. And that's something that the CIA uses when they're meeting targets and developing them and you know wanting to recruit them for espionage. They're trying to build common ground with them, build a connection and a bond based on common interests. And that's a, a skill that we teach our kids, you know, to do with others. But we also do it with our kids. You know, we we can bond with them over something they're really interested in, or we can try something new with them. So, you know, it can be a game changer. Yeah, it's, it's having that connection, really, yeah. you know, with without the other siblings around, where you can really 
not get to know each other more because, you know, it's, you know, you know, your kids and they know you, but it's that quality one-on-one time that it's really, I think, makes all the difference. Way. Yeah. It's knowing them yeah. in a different way, you know, and because they can be different one-on-one when they're not, you know, in their sibling shadows or part of yeah. that group dynamic. That's our next rule. Find connection through one-on-one time with something you and your kid both like to do. That can build trust, like putting money in the bank, which you can then draw on the next time you really need the kid to be honest. I guess the one question I I would have for Jamie as as I'm I'm hearing you talk, and I don't want to make an assumption here, but, you know, is it possible that Simone is bored? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, and, And I say that because, you know, oftentimes when kids are bored, you know, they tend to do things you know, mm-hmm. that they otherwise wouldn't do. Yeah. One thing that you could potentially do for her is to really hone in on what her passions are. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing insight. I'm going to have to do a little work um, on those, the, you know, the, the mommy Simone dates maybe to just really understand what it is that would really, really excite her. Our son, Hunter, found something that he's so it's actually amazing to see how happy and passionate he is about fishing so mm. this kid he'd finish his homework he'd get everything done he'd get his chores done and then he'd just go down to the river and fish for two three four five hours and this yeah. kid knows more about fishing oh ryan you're giving me goosebumps that is so awesome it's like what is that what is her fishing yeah yeah what what is her fishing you know what is her passion what is it that you can cultivate I'm racking my brain as you're talking because she loves animals and she will tell you, like, did you know the white snow fox and the such and such are best friends? And did you know that this snake will, you know, it does this, you would think it'd do this, but it doesn't, it does that. And so she would love, love, love to have like a little pet. That might be her thing, get her a little snake or something. I don't know, but... Huh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how to scope that passion and then what, how far I can take <laughs> right, it where right, I'm still right. comfortable with her with something live. <laughs> right. Like, do you give the budding supervillain a snake? I yeah, mean, right. I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe that's not, maybe a goldfish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at this point in our mission, we're stressing the importance of truth with our kids, letting some of the smaller infractions go and trying to connect with their passions. But what can be done about Simone's more manipulative tendencies? Can they be harnessed for good? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. If you enjoy how-to, the best way to support the show is by joining Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Your contribution helps us produce the unique stories that you hear in our feed every week. It's only a dollar for your first month, and in addition to supporting our journalism, members never hear an ad on a Slate podcast and never hit a paywall on the Slate website. Slate Plus members are essential to keeping this show going, so I hope you'll join if you're able. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash howto plus. Again, that's slate.com slash howto plus. We're back with our listener Jamie and Christina and Ryan Hillsberg, authors of License to Parent, How My Career as a Spy Helped Me Raise Resourceful, Self-Sufficient Kids. Most parents don't actively teach their kids to manipulate their siblings. But then again, Christina and Ryan are not most parents. It's hard talking about manipulation because, you know, within espionage, there is a degree to that. I, I tend to not like to use that word. The word I, I use instead of that is persuasion. You know, th- there's, <laughs> you know. Be, That's like some manipulation at work, right? I right. Mean, you see exactly. that? You, know, he just did. you know, it's, there, there's just so many negative connotations with manipulation. Yeah. But really, one of the greatest things that we can help our kids understand and learn is how to be persuasive. That's how Christina and Ryan found themselves in the front seat of their car not too long ago, explaining mind control to their eldest daughter, Hannah. She wanted to know how to convince her brother to select cheesecake for his birthday instead of chocolate cake. She's like, Dad, I'm really mm-hmm. craving cheesecake, but I know that if I tell him I want cheesecake, then he's definitely not gonna choose a cheesecake. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna go with chocolate cake. And so I looked back at her and I said, well, you need to persuade him. You need to convince him that cheesecake is actually what he should get. And so she's like, well, how do I do that? You know, there's no way that can happen. And so I took about 10, 15 minutes, gave her a little bit of a crash course on the subtle skills of persuasion. And especially I highlighted planting a seed, you know, certain phrases that you say um, to really like bring the point home. Ryan was drawing directly from spycraft here. Planting seeds inspired by the person's likes or wants will allow the target to draw their own conclusions without knowing that it was the outcome you wanted all along. One of the phrases was a cold glass of milk. And, you know, Hannah's like, hey, Hunter, you know, we got to eat your birthday cake. We're going to go to Costco. You know, she's like, I think there's vanilla cake. You know, there's cheesecake. Oh, yeah, cheesecake with a cold glass of milk. Um, (laughs) And she does her thing. And no joke, we get to Costco. Only me and Hunter go in the store. And I kid you not, there is a chocolate cake decorated, ready to go. I mean, this would be like the number one cake that Hunter would choose, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 times out of 10. He looks at it, sort of shrugs his shoulders, and then walks over to where the cheesecake is. And then asks me a question. He says, Dad, do you think Nana and Dacho have milk? (gasps) I couldn't believe it. The kid picks up the cheesecake 
we go get some milk. And so we're walking out in the parking lot and I'll, I'll turn it I'll turn it over to Christina now because. Her, oh, my gosh. I'll never forget it. I see them walking towards the car and I see a cheesecake in his hands. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. One, I really wanted chocolate cake. <laughs> so I was really peeved about that. But at that point, I was also thinking because I had watched what Ryan was doing with Hannah in the car. And I was having all these mm-hmm. thoughts like, do we really want our kids to be manipulative? Like, right, I, don't, right. I don't know Persuasive. about this. Right. So I wasn't convinced yet. And it took me a while to kind of just realize, well, you know what? Like these qualities, this skill can be used, like Ryan was saying, in like so many positive ways. I'm just thinking like, would cheesecake be the most proud moment or would it be the most (laughs) horrifying moment for her? Oh my gosh. Well, it's so funny because to this day, Hunter still like adamantly says that he always wanted cheesecake. Yeah, he thinks it was his idea. Yeah, it's my idea. Yeah. So did Hannah take that um, that incident and like, did it change her out of curiosity? I think it did. I mean, I I think it opened a window into her uh, and it's something that we do too. And and I forgot to mention this. So, you know, when I was teaching Hannah this principle uh, or some of these principles in terms of persuasion, you know, I was role playing with her. And, and mm-hmm. role playing with our kids is something that we've done for years because it's actually something that's done at the agency during training at the farm. Role play mm-hmm. is, I'd say, at least 60% of a lot of what we do there. And there's there's so many good things that can come from it. I know it's at first it's awkward. You know, I remember, you know, role playing at first and I, I hated it. You know, it can just feel sort you of... feel silly. Yeah, you feel silly. For you and for them. But you just push through and... <laughs> But yeah, anytime our kids are having an issue, whether it's at school, whether it's at sports or, you know, their brother wanting chocolate cake instead of cheesecake, mm-hmm. you know, we we do some role play. And it's not and it's different from, you know, just hypothetically saying, oh, OK, well, if they say this, what would you say? We actually mm-hmm. get into character. Here's our next rule. Instead of completely banning all sneaky behavior, try to work with the kid teach them the art of persuasion instead and practice it through role play. Who knows, maybe they'll learn what the best spies already know. You don't actually have to lie to get what you want. Jamie, could you could you talk about how, I mean, have there been times when Simone's sneakiness could look more like persuasion? <laughs> In other words, is there anything she's done that was like, well, you know what? When she's 27, this is going to be really good. Um, I, when I see her interact with people in a positive way, knowing that it might not be genuine, you know, I, I do see like, okay, she's made their day. She's like, she, we'll mm. just be out and she'll like, oh, what a lovely necklace. And it's like, I'm just like, you, <laughs> okay, okay, Simone. <laughs> Um, but they're like, oh, thank you. So I, I see she's got an effect on people. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I just, it's the intention behind it that it's like, I don't know what, what the end game is for her. I don't know what's going on in her head. So, so, so there's a line, right? Obviously some, somewhere between persuasive and deceptive. Like they're not the yeah. same. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, yeah. do you have, do any of you have ideas about how do you know where that line is as a parent, as a spy, as a human? Yeah, I, th- I think it can be tricky um, for sure. And I think for us, we try to focus on like the, po- the positive 
and helpful situations in which they can use this. Because some people will say, oh, well, aren't you worried that your kids are going to use these skills on you? And will we say, <laughs> well, we hope that they do. You know, we want them to learn. And what better way for them to learn skills than to practice on us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so funny because all the things that serve kids really well as kids in school in particular don't serve them very well as adults, right? Right. Compliance, Mm -hmm. (laughs) conformity, submission, like all those things um, we need to somehow turn off, particularly I think for, for girls and young women when, (laughs) when they are out in the, in the real world. Yeah. And that's something that we talk a lot about in terms of giving our kids this ability to think critically. And I think Mm -hmm. a great example of this Um, although a sad example, is the Korean ferry boat disaster in 2014. You had 304 of the 476 passengers aboard that ferry died when it sank. And the voice over the intercom was telling the passengers, who were mostly kids, mostly secondary school students, to stay in their room and that that was the safest place to be. But actually, it was the kids who didn't listen and who got out of their room who survived. You know, just because someone's an authority figure doesn't mean they're always right. And, of course, this is something that they can learn to do with respect and understand the nuance the older they get. But this is just another example of, you know, some of these qualities that I think Simone is actually more in touch with and has more of an emotional intelligence with that will be easier for her to do, although they might be, Mm -hmm. you know, pain points for you in the process as she's younger and she's learning, you know, when it's appropriate to do this and when it's not. You know, but you're there as her guide to kind of help her along. Yeah. Ryan and Christina, in the book, you mentioned that you entrusted the kids with knowing that you worked at the CIA, which I assume requires a pretty decent level of trust. Can you talk about how you made that decision and how you told them? Yeah. So this is something that I've been working on with all the kids and and me and Christina as well with with Ari and Gigi since they were very young. This idea of trust, this idea of loyalty, especially within the family. And so uh, this also goes to making promises. And and we don't use that word actually that often, but the kids, if they know that we've said, I promise, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% that it will happen. And I think this gives kids a level of comfort, a level of peace of mind, and it goes both ways. I was really caught off guard because Ryan and I had met, we had just started dating right before Hunter had turned eight. And so I was around, I hadn't met the kids yet, but he had told me when he was about to tell Hunter. And I remember I was just flabbergasted by the fact that he was going to share that because we were both working undercover at the time. And when he explained to me why, as he just did, um, it started making sense, but it really made more sense to me over time, you know, as I observed the way he interacted with the kids. I think promises for me were kind of more like a pinky promise, something like on the playground, like it was just something I would toss around. And so when I understood like the weight of the words um, that he was using and then, you know, the extent that he would go to to keep his word and um, it really works. I mean, I think it's just a testament to um, those values that we keep in our home. And um, it's something that I really loved about the way that Ryan was parenting. And so we've, you know, continued that with our youngest two as well. That's so interesting. It makes me wonder if trust is kind of like vulnerability, like you have to give some to get some. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I would agree. This is our last rule. 
When you're trying to teach kids to be trustworthy, you have to demonstrate it yourself, even maybe especially when it feels uncomfortable. If you promise you're going to do something, you've got to deliver. And so, you know, handing that sort of power over to them, you know, I think was significant in a positive way and, and can really empower kids. Yeah. Jamie, I wonder, in, in all seriousness, how would you feel if Simone grew up to work at the CIA? Oh, I I, I think she'd be well suited. I mean, she's I think she I, you know, she can stay safe and do good, you know, all the power to her. I, that'd be a good into the story. Thanks to Jamie for sharing her story with us and to Christina and Ryan for sharing their intel, or at least the declassified portion. Please make sure to look for their book, Licensed to Parent, How My Career as a Spy Helped Me Raise Resourceful, Self-Sufficient Kids. If you like this episode, you might want to check out How to Win Arguments Like a Hostage Negotiator, a great episode featuring a former FBI agent. Do you have a supervillain in training that you're worried about or some other problem? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. And who knows, we might have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. That helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson produces the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Special thanks to Kevin Bendis. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three.